a parent is one of the hardest jobs in the world. It doesn't come with a manual or a bunch of videos to help you out. If you are lucky and you have some extended family support, that's great. But most parents are making it up as they go along. In business, we are told that everyone needs a coach. But what would life be like if there was a coach for parents? Well, our next guest is Sandra True of Get Real Parental Coaching. If you'd like to know more about Sandra's business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Hello, Sandra, and welcome to The Cashflow Show. Hi, Clayton. Thank you for the invite. You are most welcome. You see, I have to say, and we've been talking about this pre the actual show, I've been in business for 21 years now, and I have seen every type of coaching imaginable. I've seen them all. But you know something? Every day is a school day and today is one of those days and I want to learn more about your business. So tell us about your role at Get Real Parental Coaching. My name is Sandra True. As you said, I am a parental coach and what I do is help strengthen the relationships between parent and children. So people say sort of, you know, oh, it's therapy. No, it's not therapy. It's coaching. So Although it does cross over in certain times, because I will need to know what your challenges are and how you're feeling and all those kind of things in order for me to coach you better. But it's more about you succeeding in your goals as a parent. How can you reach these goals? How can you become a better parent? What is it that you need to make all these happen and that is where I come in using my 30 years experience working with families working with children and I've seen it all there's nothing anyone can tell me that will shock me that I haven't seen already that I haven't experienced already as a mother. What I find fascinating is this in terms of your role a lot of people be thinking How did you get into that? So I want to go and step back now and find out you are in business as Get Real Parental Coaching. However, is this your first business? Funny enough, it isn't. I run a childcare business. So that allowed me to work more professionally, obviously, with the parents alongside the business side of things, as in your accounting and and all the rest of it that comes with the business. What happened was running my business, pandemic happened and I saw a lot of changes happening around me and people talking to me, people wanting advice and all the rest of it. And I thought to myself, how can I help these parents? Just not just by running my childcare business, but by doing more. I want to do more. 
to help the community. So that's when I went into the parental coaching. But before that, I was nannying. I've been nannying for many years and I've been working in the nursery industry. I worked my way up from a nursery assistant to then senior nursery nurse to then manager. And that's just working for the council. So then I started nannying, I started traveling and working abroad, but I really wanted to work for myself. This passion of wanting to work for myself just overtook everything. So how can I make that happen? Right. I just saved up my money and invested in making myself self-employed and making a business for myself. And that's interesting because what I wanted to ask is that in terms of your business desires and your business endeavors, did anybody else in your family have those kind of desires? Were you the first person in your family to have a business idea or to carry out a business venture? If I said yes, I'd be lying. But my lovely niece, she just started training people. She started off at the job centre um, as an employment officer. And then she started training people. And from that, she just excelled. So from training, she then decided to leave that and go into property. And she was doing so well. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether the person's older or younger than you in the family. If that person inspires you, thinking, wow, she's doing good things for herself. I love that. I wonder if that could be me. I wonder if I could do that for me. And I'm thinking, I can. I can do it. What is stopping me? I can do it. Just work. I've got the experience. I'm passionate about what I do. And you must be passionate about what you do in order for it to succeed. That's my opinion. Indeed. I mean, there was probably other people in the family, to be fair, um, but she's close to my heart. And she is who I saw sort of like visually every day just watching her grow and grow and grow. And she was the one who inspired me initially to start a business for myself. Right. So you've got this idea now. You've been inspired by your niece. What comes next? Oh, what comes next? So I sort of done some research in terms of who's in your area, the target audience. Is it a need in your area? Because sometimes you could have all these great ideas But if nobody wants it, then it's just an idea. Indeed. (laughs) We've been there. (laughs) (laughs) So you'd need to do your research, find out who your target audience is, find out where they are, send out surveys and just do those kind of things. Talk to people, talk to people within your community, find out where my niche is, the parents, obviously. So I'm going to all the little play groups. I'm talking to parents. How are you finding your childcare situation? Oh, you know, there's not enough. And all right, okay, okay. So sometimes it doesn't have to be a physical paper that you need to do your research on. It could be just talking to your audience. Of course. And that's really important because the the difficulty is, is that a lot of people try to make a business without connecting with the people that they're hoping to serve. 
And if you don't do that, then there is no way you're going to be in a position that one of the last episodes that we had here on the show, it was a scenario where it was uh, Richard Holmes, who is an inventor, I should say, and he's invented this thing called the Vox Box. And, but he found out what people wanted by talking to him very much in the same way that you spoke to the parents. So your finger was very much on the pulse. Yes, yes. I I wanted to make sure that when I start my business, it will be a success because I'm I'm very strong like that and I'm very consistent and I will just keep on going until it is a success. So because what happened was I set the business up sort of at the back of my house. So I'd converted the garage. I did take a loan out to help finance that and converted the garage, converted the playroom. And because I've been in the nursery industry, I knew that I wanted to set up my nursery, you know, um, at the back of, I knew how I wanted it. I wanted all the toys at the child child level so they can access it themselves. And all these things that I see that works and, and don't work. Anyway, what I did in terms of the transition, so here I am now with the business already, where are the clients? So fortunately for me, because I was still nannying, I was able to do that part time and use the rest of the time to grow the business and attract clients. So I had one client in September, for example, but I still continue to nanny because that client was part time anyway. Okay. So it worked and I could still bring that money in keep coming in by November I had five six new starters all at one time in which I could say goodbye to the nannying and here I am now full-time self-employed running my business excellent so now obviously you've alluded to nannying a few times during the conversation so I read somewhere that your background includes working as an international nanny for high profile. That sounds like a secret agent or something. Secret agent <laughs> nanny, is it? <laughs> you come in there and just say, right, kids, this is how we're going to do things. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, um, I, at the time I signed up with some agencies and they said, oh, you know, there's jobs abroad. If you're happy to live abroad, you'll get your own car. You'll have your own place. And I was like, wow, what an opportunity why say no to that? So that is how I managed to get those type of jobs was through the agency. But I'll give you a little joke, Clayton. One of the families that I was with for two years, and this is how high profile they were, they said we're going over to Poland and then we're going to Miami and we're going to leave from there and go to Barbados. I said, okay, that's fine. So if you can get, you know, the little child ready for like four o'clock, I thought, okay, so I'm thinking at least by two o'clock, we need to be leaving to get to the airport or at least 1.30. So I see two o'clock come, nobody's not moving. Everyone's just faffing around the house as normal. Three o'clock comes and I said, no, this is really strange, but I'm not asking no questions. I'm just sitting back and me and the little child's playing in his room. And then it's about half past three. That's when I see them ready to load up the car. And I'm thinking by this time they had a driver, by the way, and another nanny. So I'm in the car with the child, not saying a word. By this time, it's about quarter to four, ten to four. And we're driving. I'm thinking, okay, we're late with Mr. Blaine. So I don't even know where we're going. And what happened was we started to drive to an airstrip. And that's when it dawned on me that it's private jet. 
So they're waiting for us. Ooh, living the high life. Oh my goodness. So there's me, you know, just getting on the plane like I've done it many times before. (laughs) (laughs) When you're used to traveling BOAC or Air Jamaica or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) that, That was my first experience of traveling private jet and all the rest of it. And then we traveled. So that's how I got into traveling abroad working and living abroad, working for the high profile families. And it's quite interesting because I read an article a few months ago that, and I think it was in the standard, where literally well-to-do high net worth um, individuals or high net worth families are fighting over nannies, literally trying to steal nannies from each other's families in order to get the best quality of nannies. And this lady who was running a nanny agency was saying how fickle the the nannies were and (laughs) they were no good. And and they were, you know, they were going to the highest bidder and they would go with one person. And when they got a better offer, they would leave that person. There was no loyalty in the nanny game anymore. That, that is how it is. That is how it can be. I wasn't like that because I think I connected so much with the children and I felt that my wage was actually quite fine at the time. So I'm good. I was happy with that. But that does happen because they want quality. They want their child, you know, they want top high quality care for their children. And sometimes people say they have all that. And then when they start the job, it appears that they don't. So if they can be recommended from somebody to say, oh, you know, she's really good. She's absolutely, you know, spot on. That other family's going to want her because I remember when I first started temping nannying, I, I had one job that was supposed to last for three weeks, which it did. Then I went round to about three other, I didn't advertise or go with the agency anymore. I went with four or five different families until one caught me and I was there for two years. (laughs) Those areas, and especially in the nannying industry, is a reputation-based business. How did you use these skills from that in order to transfer then over to your own business, which is, again, quite heavily reputation based? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're nannying, because you're working in the home and you're working very closely with the families, you get to see their styles, what works and what doesn't work. So that helped me, I suppose, grow as a person while I was nannying. But I mean, each family was individual, obviously. Some wanted, some were more demanding than others. But you get to sort of understand that they want certain things a certain way. So I managed to think, okay, well, when I start my business, I understand that you need to cater for them really as individuals, even though you're all in the same place, everybody's different. They all have their own style. But what I was able to do was actually tell them, this is how I work. This is how I am. This is what I like to do. So if you're happy with that, we can find that middle ground, that nice balance to accommodate your needs and accommodate the other children that will be with me in the setting. And that's quite an interesting way to approach business. 
because or, or whatever you do in business. Because I find that a lot of people who actually are service providers, they always seem to be on the back foot as opposed to saying, this is what I offer. And if it gels and it works with you, then we have an agreement. They seem to always be in the passive role almost about saying, oh, this is what I'm offering. And if you like it, you like it. As opposed to saying, well, this is what I've got. This is what I do well. This could be of use to you. You know what I learned over the years as well um, in the business is that if it's your business, you have to make it work for you as well. And what I found was if a parent, for example, came to my setting and they wanted their child to stay, they loved the setting. If I felt that if my gut was telling me this is not going to work out, it's not going to work out. And I'm really sorry. I actually don't think this setting is for you. So for me, laying those ground rules from the beginning helped me no end because I ended up having a really lovely bunch of parents. They respected me for the person who I am caring for their kids as though they're my own, and but still having that space that they are your children, and, and I understand that. And just all the boundaries. It's about boundaries as well between you as a business owner and them as the parent. Yes, they're paying you, but you've got to also have this high quality service that you're offering, that there's no way that the parents would want their child to go anywhere else. The child loves you, we love you, you've got a lovely setting, boom, full stop. So you've given us a great background on how your business has come to fruition and how you've put it all together. And obviously what you've learned from being an international jet set nanny, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and what you've learned from that experience and that scenario. So you've now obviously, after all of those experiences put together, you've, you've started your own business now. So what I wanted to ask was, a lot of people are going to be unfamiliar with parental coaching. So could you walk us through the process of a typical parental coaching situation or, or what might happen? Because a lot of people just don't know. Yes, of course. So with me, um, I will offer a discovery call. And it's very similar to what I was explaining before, that during this 15 minutes, half an hour discovery call, I will get to understand your challenges. What is it that you hope that I can do for you? How can I help you? And also, it's whether, again, I could work with you because maybe your expectations are beyond parental coaching. So sometimes, as I mentioned before, it's not a coach you need. You actually need therapy. Like So I would say that during the discovery call and my personal experience will tell me that, you know, we don't just take the first person that comes along just because it's money, just because it's business. I think it's so important to be able to gel well and the fact that you can help that person during that discovery call. So they will tell me their concerns and I will tell them whether I can help them or not. And this is what it looks like. So what it would look like is it will is a program that I run. It will last for six weeks. We will come together each week 
going through different processes. But before that, you, I will send you a questionnaire. You will answer that questionnaire before we've even begun. Because I need to know at the top of that list, what are your concerns? How are you dealing with it at the moment? What have you tried that's not working? Who else have you seen that perhaps didn't fulfill your needs? Those, those type of in-depth questions I would need to know. So once you've filled out that questionnaire, our first session will be getting straight to those top questions that, that you're having problems with. Now, every week, I will give you an action plan. Now, you need to follow the action plan, and I can guarantee you, although it's a six-week program, within three weeks, you are supposed to see some changes if you follow the plan, as I've set out. And you need to be consistent. I can't stress that word enough because that's the problem that got you here in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's more or less how the program will work. One of the goals that I think a lot of people talk about when they're talking about being a parent and the parental approach to things is that you want to understand why people got into the situation they got into in the first place, but to avoid the cycle of repeating themselves and feeling overwhelmed. Are there some key strategies that you offer to address these challenges? Oh, definitely, because that's normally quite a popular one in terms of the parents feeling overwhelmed and not being able to manage their child's behaviours. That tends to be top of the list so it's very very common most of the strategies that I give which are being consistent setting boundaries and giving consequences to those boundaries that they've stepped over or not following the rules those three things are the strategies that I tend to put in place because what I tend to find is we talk a lot. As parents, we talk a lot. No, don't do that, Jimmy. Leave that alone. I told you not to do that already. Why are you still doing that? That's a lot of noise. And that's a lot of words for any child to comprehend. So I tell them to short, sharp instructions that they tend to listen more because it's slow, it's concise, and you mean what you say and you've changed your voice. Yes. All of that, the body gestures, the hand gestures, the voice, all of those things is what we need to put into action when we're giving commands or instructions that you want your child to listen to and understand. They're not listening to all of this. They're not listening to all of that noise. They're listening to, okay, I've told you once, and if I tell you again, I'm afraid I'm going to have to offer that consequence, okay? So it's your choice. When you look at somebody's profession or their occupation or their business and the way that it's characterised on television, there's always a discrepancy between two parts. So my one of my friend's dear friends is an antique dealer and he's a very straight-ahead guy. But however, antique dealers have a very bad reputation of being a bit dodgy. Now. And, and I'm sure that, you know, the antique dealers listening to this are very nice people. And I, I thank you for, for listening. <laughs> However, there was a program, if I remember rightly, called, was it Super Nanny? Yes. How do you think that 
that program reflected or gave people an expectation as to what somebody who was in your position, how they actually did their job or how they performed? It's funny, actually, because I, I obviously watch Super Nanny and I, and I used to love it. I say used to because I just don't really watch TV that much anymore. But at the time, I thought, yes, this woman is straight to the point, direct. And, and I see the parents feeling a little bit flustered at first because they're embarrassed, aren't they, really? Yes. Number one, that, you know, someone's had to come in your house and tell you what to do as a parent. But it, I think it goes past embarrassment where they just need the help and support. And, and that's the way to look at it now because things are not the way they used to be. So looking on it from the super nanny's point of view that is very similar to how I work anyway very straight talking direct um there's a few things that she probably um does that I wouldn't encourage to do of course but everybody's different and everybody's got their style I mean at the end of the day she's still got her results yes indeed and the family was still happy for a parent now it just empowers them it empowers them that they have a parental coach or or somebody to give them that help. Because listen, a lot of parents seem to think they're not good parents. And I tend to disagree with the majority. Yeah. They are good parents. They just sort of lose their way and then they don't know how to get it back. And then that's where, you know, someone like me would come in to bring it back. Because the tools that I give you, they're to set you up for the future. They're not just now at this stage of development. So if your child is five years old, what I'm telling you to do, that will set you up right way through till they're 16. Yes. You know, you wouldn't need to come back and see Sandra again because you've got the tools. And if you follow that, those will work. So could you share a, like a success story or, you know, of somebody, you know, just like Super Nanny, you don't have a cape or anything like that. So don't worry about that. You don't, <laughs> you don't need that on this show. Just be yourself. You know, where your coaching really significantly transformed that relationship between the parent and the child. I think the biggest case that I've had so far was actually quite a scary one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to scare anyone on the show, honestly. But it's a true story yeah. and it's a fact. It happened. Mm. And it was a parent came to me. In fact, um, I'd met her probably a week before when we were at um, doing a charity event. And the guy that was heading the charity event called me and said, Sandra, I need your help. You know, so-and-so who you met. And I, and I just briefly met her, you know, we, you, you, I didn't, I, I didn't even know she was a mum. So, we, you know, we just briefly met because we were sort of doing the charity together. And he said, you know, please, please, she is at the end of her tether. Please help her. And I said, um, okay. He said, you know, I'll pay you for her. That's absolutely fine. Don't worry. I said, okay, tell her to call me um, because I can hear the anxiety. The sadness, yeah, the anxiety and the sadness in his in his voice. Anyway, she called me. And although it wasn't a full case scenario, because on this particular instance, she was in a very dark place. 
a very dark place. There was nowhere left for her to go. She's been struggling for a couple of years. Now, her child was a teenager who was beating her up. Oh, my God. Pulling her hair, talking to her. However, oh, it was dreadful. So I listened to the story and, you know, she's in tears, constantly crying. I don't know what to do. I keep, nobody's helping me. I said, okay, all right. Okay, so I'm listening to the scenarios. I'm listening to what's happening. So while I'm listening, I'm working out a plan in my head because that's that's how my brain works. I'm already working out a plan in my head. So I said, okay, all right, this is what you do. You do X, Y, and Z, and you stop doing that. You stop doing that right now because what's happening is because you're doing this, this is happening. You need to stop doing that. But what I'd like you to do is this and this and this. Excellent. Now, I can tell you, Clayton, this is no word of a lie. 45 minutes later into the call, she said to me, Sandra, you've told me things that nobody has ever told me before. And I've been struggling with this for years and I can see it getting worse. And you, I feel she stopped crying by now. She felt uplifted. She felt empowered to the point where I think a couple of days later, I checked in on her. How's it going? How, how are you? How's things? She went, things are amazing. I know I've still got work to do. I know I've got a long way to go. But just by following what you're saying, I can see changes already. She went to her family's house and they said to her, wow, you look different. What do you, how, what's happened? Because she felt empowered and it showed on her face that she was, yes, I have hope. Mm, yes. I have hope. And that has got to be the biggest and strongest case I've had yet. Because I knew that if I couldn't help her, that, that you know, it wasn't going to end well. The place where she was at the beginning of that call. That sounds so distressing and somebody even such as myself listening to that from the outside, it must be a terrible feeling as a parent where you almost feel like you've raised this monster and you have to have an attachment to this child because they are your child. But at the same time, you know that they are being destructive not only to themselves, but also to you. And it's happening more and more, Clayton. It's happening more than you think, mm. more than you know. It is happening. It happens in the household. That was just one person. And I've and I've heard the story, probably not as deep mm -hmm. as to where she was at that point, but I'm sure all parents would feel so low if that was happening to them. But there's all different kinds of abuse going on, not just the physical abuse. There's the shouting that the children are, are doing to the parents, the constant, the vile, mm. the volatileness that's, that's happening, the words that's coming out of their mouth and everything. And the parent just don't know what else to do. So it is, it, you know, it is sad um, that, the, that the children are getting to that stage in the first place. Now, what I always say is whatever you teach your children now or whatever you let them get away with now, it's not now, it's later on. Indeed.
is always think about later on. Don't just think about, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's all right. The child will think and think and think and it will get, it will just escalate to the point where you can no longer manage and you wish you hadn't done one or two things earlier, but now here you are. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'd just like to add on to that is we haven't sort of spoken about generational um, headspace in terms of a lot of people, the way they were brought up, they then inflict that on their children or pass that down to their children. Now, if it's all positive, that's all good. But if it's negative, i.e. physical punishment, um, being constantly shouted at, you don't know no other way. You haven't been taught no any other way. That's how my children will listen to me because that's how I had to listen to my parents. An interesting point. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot of people, especially when it comes to people like celebrities and so on and so forth, which is where a lot of people get their information from coming out and saying how they were traumatized and they were bullied and they were, um, you know, they were mistreated by parents or parents who were incapable of communicating properly. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that a lot, lot more. And it is the way it is. I mean, at the end of the day, we can't really blame our parents because it's a generational thing. That's how they were treated. That's how they were treated and so forth. There was no parental coach. There was no this internet where you could go and get advice and get support and get guidance. They just had to go with whatever they knew. But now there is so much resources out there now and parental coaches. Of course, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> to be able to help you and guide you and support you on your parental journey. Indeed. Going through that conversation that we've just had, one of the things that I wanted to touch on for me personally is how do you as an individual cope with absorbing what must be a seriously large amount of negative energy? Oh, very interesting. Now, I try not to do negative. I, I, I am around positive people. I am around like-minded people. For me, that helps me. And if, I, if I'm around someone who's negative, I have a shut that down quite quickly or move away, move away space or just lock them off altogether because that's not the space that I'm in. I'm all about positive energy, positive vibes. If there's a scenario where mm, this isn't looking too good, okay, so how can we find a solution for that? You know, who can help? Let me, let me make some phone calls and see if they can help you or that kind of thing. I like to be around positive people because it keeps me uplifted. And I hope that I'm the same for somebody else. I like to be motivated, inspiring. And that's what I would like for other people um, to feel when they're around me. Just my whole bubbly personality. I, I just, I cannot do negativity. I cannot. I did that years ago, um, again, when I didn't know any different. But as I started to join 
the business space. Okay. I realized that I was very excited to be in this business space. I would go to a lot of events and they would constantly talk about positivity, like-minded people, being around people where you can share values and share experience and your expertise with each other. And that was the pinnacle moment for me that, oh, I'm loving this vibe. And from then, I just kept it positive all the way. I've lost a lot of friends along the way as well. And that's okay. That's okay. That is important. I was watching a video before I started recording with you, and it was a a comedian who appears on YouTube called Shula King, African-American comedian. And he was relating to the fact that as a person, when he started to say that he wanted to be involved in comedy, his relatives weren't very supportive of him and they weren't very, very helpful in any shape or form whatsoever. And five years gone forward, the trajectory in his life has changed completely. He's got nearly a million uh, YouTube subscribers, which is not easy in any shape or form. However, he's saying that those people now are coming wishing to be a part of his life. Now he's managed to obtain that success and how ironic that is. Yes, unfortunately, people will come out the woodworks when they're good and ready. Um, But for me, it will be like, no, sorry, I've moved on. This is me now. Yeah, and I think sometimes that's just the best way to do it. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. You know, everybody's on their own journey. I always say that and depends on what path you want to take. You, Some people can't come along with you on your journey. Yeah. So. True. Very true. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. So speaking of journeys, we're going to move across now to the section that we called What Are You Like?, which is supposed to be said in a Cockney accent, and where we talk <laughs> about your favourite book, your favourite film, your favourite piece of music, and you've got some great choices for us here today. So we're going to start with your favourite books. You've put them together as um, uh, favourite books and favourite business books. So we're going to start off with what these things mean to you. So the first one is The Ubiquitous Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert T. Kiyosaki. Uh, You've got The Energy Bus by John Gordon and Empowering Dyslexics by Keisha Adair Swaby. So really a a very broad canon of books there. So let's start off with what these mean to you. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Wow. So I would go to events and the speaker would say, who's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? And I see all these hands going up. And I'm thinking, okay, that's like the third or fourth event that I've been to and they've asked who's <laughs> read this book and I have not read it. I'm going to need to read it. So I think it was coming back from Thailand. I was in the airport just wandering around as you do. And I saw it and I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy it right now. I'm going to buy it right now and I can read it on the plane. Well, I'm telling you, the first few chapters just blew my mind. And I thought, oh, this is going to be good. So... It's a very inspiring book and, you know, things that you grew up thinking um, about sort of assets and liability is not really the case. And he just switched it up and showed you 
what is really an asset and what is a liability and how he became this entrepreneurial with two dads, one sort of an entrepreneurial dad and then the other one sort of, you've got your steady job, get your education and go to university. And, you, and oh, it just inspired me so much. So now I could put my hand up and say, yes, I'm, <laughs> I've read that book. And it was a really good book. Well, I have a confession to make, and not that kind of confession, but I, my confession is I've never read it. And I'm so I'm one of those people who wouldn't be able to put their hand up. So I've never read a lot of these books on here and that you mentioned and other guests have mentioned. I am going to challenge myself that at Christmas, I'm going to make a list of them. I'm going to put it on LinkedIn and I'm going to sit down and read all of these books that everybody keeps talking about to find out more about them. Because as I said, it's, it's very fascinating people's views. You've also got The Energy Bus by John Gordon. What's that for you? So The Energy Bus is probably one of the first books that I read in a long time because I used to read sort of novels and things like that. And somebody said to me, read The Energy Bus. And I, at the time I was, I don't really like, I just haven't got time to read. I don't really like read it. She said, get it on audio or what have you. That's fine. But I think she borrowed it to me in the end. And it was just a book about somebody's journey how he'd go on the bus and he had one attitude. Things started to happen in his life and the person on the bus would always look out for him and start talking to him. And just the way his life changed while going on the bus and visiting places and having an interview, then he'd get back on the bus again. And, oh, that was a really good book that sort of opened my eyes to business and how to think differently how scenarios can play out if you looked at the world from a bigger view and not just this narrow-minded view. So that was the very first book, why that book inspired me. And I thought, gosh, that was a nice, short, sharp read, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I understood the concept of the book and where they were taking you towards the end. But it just got my mind thinking. If I could read a book and it gets my mind really, really thinking, uh, I, that's a good book for me. And that was that was one of them. Excellent. And your last book on that section is Empowering Dyslexics by Keisha Adair Swaby. Keisha is a very good friend of mine. And she has such an amazing story as a black woman in Jamaica, came over to England when she was 14. <laughs> so, sorry, as soon as you said it's the name Swaby, I was just going to say to you, is she Jamaican? Because... Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, but sorry for um uh, the cash flow show listeners and the cash flow crew. Um, uh, I'm a, a a Jamaican diasporan person, so when I see Jamaican surnames or surnames associated with Jamaica, I flang them up as much as possible. So uh, that section's over now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she she's got such an incredible story, and you know she came to England and she was bullied and she couldn't understand why or anything like that but she puts her whole life in this book and it's so inspiring so she's going through a degree to do a master's and everything but she's struggling and she can't understand why till somebody till she sent it to her friend or something and they said oh I didn't know you were dyslexic she's 41 years of age wow this was 
a moment, a light bulb moment for her. So you can imagine if someone says something to you and now all the pieces start putting together like a jigsaw puzzle of what your life looked like and why you were going through the things that you were going through. So that book means so much to me because it means so much to her and we're always supporting each other in terms of she wants to empower dyslexics because obviously she's written that book being a dyslexic person and and having dyspraxia sometimes they go together sometimes they don't but um in her case there's other things associated with having um dyslexia so it's such an important book to read especially if you are thinking why things aren't adding up it is worth getting a diagnosis just to see because look at that 41 years of age it'd be interesting to find out what her life would have been if she'd have been diagnosed say at 21 yes yes absolutely but you know what things happen for a reason indeed i honestly believe that and now with her book and everything, she's just really taken off now and more and more people are aware of what dyslexia is and 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 learning more about it. So that's why that was one of the books that blew my mind yet again. And it really got me thinking um, about other people who are in that situation who could actually learn a lot from number one, reading that book or going to get yourself tested if you feel that something's not quite ripe. So now we're going to move on to your favourite album, which is Michael Jackson's Off The Wall. And I have to agree with you. I mean, there is a, a, a common thing here. If you're a pop person, you think that Thriller's fantastic. But if you're an R&B, soul and funk person, you think that Michael Jackson's Off The Wall is the better album. And it is a great album. It's It still sounds great. It still sounds great after all these years. And if you're a much younger person, you will find that the Michael Jackson on the cover is not the Michael Jackson that you got used to at the end. This was the, <laughs> this was the original Michael Jackson, Mark One. It has j- just great songs. I mean, it's got um, Off The Wall. It's got Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Rock With You. It's like a greatest hits album without it being a greatest hits album. It's... It really was that precursor to Thriller. What memories or excitement does it bring back for you? That album reminds me of when I was growing up because when we all got into which artist, musician you're into, I was into Michael Jackson in a, in a big way. I had all the posters on the wall as a child and, oh my goodness, I just loved that album and I knew all the words which is very rare thing for me. But this particular album, oh my goodness. And the thing is, as you said, you could play a song now and I would still love it as much as I did back then. It is amazing because as I said, you could tell that the amount of work that went into the songs. And I was watching a brief video of the guy who played the drums on Rock With You. The drums go, do, 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 do. And basically what happened was, was that Quincy Jones, who was the producer of Off the Wall and of Thriller and Bad, basically said to the drummer, John Robinson, he said, we need an intro that's going to be famous for the, for the, for all time. We just want something that's going to be there. And he goes, I literally had to make that up on the spot. Oh my goodness. 
that was it. I literally made it up on the spot. They just said to me, you need to do something. Because they, they've been doing a couple of takes through. It wasn't really work. It was working all right, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite there. And then Quincy Jones put his hand on his shoulder and said, listen, we need to have something here. And he just did it. And just like that drum beat at the beginning, it's so iconic, uh, you know, and if you're into music, you, as soon as you hear that, you know what you're going to get. And it's, <laughs> and you know, and a lot of people, you would know Heatwave. Yes. Right. So that song, Rock With You, was originally going to be a Heatwave song. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. My, Michael Jackson didn't want to do it. Allegedly, Michael Jackson didn't want to do Rock With You. Oh, my. Well, I'm glad he did. Yeah, because that is the record that changed it from from the time that, that you know, Rock With You came on. That was it. His career was just set. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, that's why I like that album, because it just reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> so now we're going to go on to, you've got three classic films here. You've got The Ten Commandments. You've got Jason and the Argonauts, and you've got Clash of the Titans. These are big screen, 70 millimeter, you know, <laughs> old school movies. Absolutely. And you know, if Ten Commandments comes on the TV, if it's not Yul Brenner, it's not Ten Commandments for me. It's got to be the Yul Brenner version. <laughs> yeah, because that was in that one, it's Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner. Right, right. Yeah, so. And I make sure. That I find it somewhere on Netflix or Prime or somewhere to watch over the Easter period. Yes, unfortunately, that that's another <laughs> Caribbean <laughs> habit, a West Indian habit, where you know you'd go in there and your aunt would be sitting there, and and you know my dad would be saying, "Yes, it's Charlton Heston." Um, um, yeah, I mean those were just massive movies, but you've also got Jason and the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans, but which have one thing in common, which is the stop-start animation of Ray Harryhausen. Absolutely. I don't know why, but those two classics, they can come on any time yeah. and I will just watch it. Or if I feel like, you know what, I feel like watching a film. Yeah, Clash of the Titans it is. And my husband will say to me, okay, babe, how many times have you watched that? <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. It makes me relax. Yeah. I love it. I know what's going to come next and I don't care. I enjoy those two movies. It's just me. Oh, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that Hollywood excitement, which is absolutely wonderful, I wanted to talk more about the business. I mean, you've got a very, very unique area, an incredibly unique area. When you said that you were going to start your business and start to expand it. How did people get to hear about you? So I decided to set up social media, which I wasn't good at at all. Um, social media wasn't for me in terms of getting the camera and making content. That I found extremely difficult. Um, what I did do was um, get myself a mentor. And with that, the first thing I was told to do was make an elevator pitch. So obviously for those who don't know what that is, you have to imagine you're in an elevator with somebody who could propel your business. You've got 30 seconds to say who you are, what you do, why you do it in 30 seconds. So 
after about 1,000 takes. <laughs> <laughs> a take, 999. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I finally did that. And once I actually did that and then started to look in the mirror and, you know, repeat, 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 I started to get comfortable with cameras. Um, so then I was able to start putting some content out on these platforms and obviously with help with my mentor. So I would actually say everybody needs a mentor, really, even if it's just to start you off. Um, that was that was uh, pinnacle for me at the beginning. I then also decided that I'm going to start a podcast. And yes, I wanted to ask you about that. Yes, because that would help me get my brand, help me build my brand. And I love talking to people. I absolutely love talking to people and I love to hear their stories. And I always think, well, if I could help the community, they could listen in and take some free nuggets away from perhaps experts that I have on my podcast. Um, I've been running now for 18 months or so. But it was originally for parents, mums and dads. But what happened was I interviewed a couple of dads and I said, oh, my goodness, there's something going on here. And I do think that I need to know more. I need to learn more because I, I, I do love learning and I love learning by listening to people and their experience and their stories. I then decided to turn my podcast into a dad's only podcast. Okay. And the reason why I did that was because mums have a lot. There's so much resources and things out there for mums. Let's face it, it's true. Yeah. But dads seem to have this little space. You know, they're just kind of just coming on, come in and think, oh, is this for me? Can I, can I say something? And I just think, you know what? Why is that? Why is that? Dads are as important as the mothers. Yes, the mother carries the child, but the dad has such an important role during while the bump is growing, while the baby's being born, and all those years afterwards. And I just don't feel like that's propelled enough and we're not listening to dad's stories enough. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it. I suppose... Chris Rock, who's one of my favorite comedians, always does a thing that says about being a dad, you always get short change. The only thing you get from being a dad is the big piece of chicken. That you, that's all you get. You know? <laughs> there's, there's no benefit to being the dad because it's always Papa was a rolling stone or something negative like that. Or, you know, so he said that, you know, being a dad, it's always it's always negative. So as I said, apart from the big piece of chicken, that's about it. That's the, that's the only benefit. So I can understand why you would come to that conclusion on your podcast and that was actually quite a smart move for you to do that's a very smart move because there is that very much that niche of dads that's very underrepresented you've got some guys that are creeping into the space and they're sort of coming and going I'm a dad hello <laughs> you know <laughs> um but I think by doing that you basically created a space for yourself there that, as I said, that men can access. Yeah, I think so. And with that, I've managed to join a few dad groups as well. And they can hear things from a woman's perspective as well. Um, 
you know, so that that's been quite helpful. But there was one particular dad, and this is what sort of blew my mind, that where he suffered from PTSD after the birth of his daughter. Wow. No, I didn't think that was a thing. But after speaking to so many more dads, they're like, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. I'm like, okay, okay. So if I am shocked at that, other mums need to be listening and being aware of how their partners, husbands are feeling after the birth of the child. It's not just about you and your physical being. It's about the dad's as well. So I thought, okay, I need to hear some more stories. I need to learn how a dad's feeling because that will also help me parent coach better. If I'm coaching dads, number one, if I'm coaching mums now, I say, so what about dad then? Obviously, if I know there's a dad on the scene, Mm. what about dad then? How's he feeling about all this? What's what's the story there then? And then when you hear, well, I don't know, I haven't asked him. Well, I don't know. You're like, ah, okay. Well, nobody asks a dad, but what they, this is why sometimes it might explain and it doesn't condone, but it might explain why some guys run off because they are bloody well in shock. They're thinking, <laughs> God, this is too, I never expected this. And, yes. you know, as I said, it's like with a lot of things, if people don't explain their feelings or explain yes. what their emotions are, then obviously you don't know what's going on. And I think the dad is, oh, you're just a dad, you know, you're just going to go out and get SMA and Pampers and stuff like that and, and not realise that, you know, for some guys, it's a massive shock. Even just the idea of having that responsibility when you didn't have that responsibility before. And, and you know, it's just a nice space for dads to talk about how their journey is going or what they went through at a certain time and how they were treated hmm. as well. That That's really important of talking about how they were, they were treated and just their challenges. What are your challenges right now? How old are your children? What are you finding difficult right now? So another dad could listen and think, oh, this sounds interesting. I wonder how he managed to turn that round because that's the same thing I'm going through right now. Of course. So that's that's what my podcast is about. What's on the cards for Get Real Parenting in the next 12 months? There is something coming up in the autumn. Can you share it or is it a top secret, like a secret nanny thing, is it? Funny enough, right. For those, who, for those who know me, I am quite random. I am open and up for any ideas, even if it's even if it's nothing to do with parental coaching. It's just something else I want to do. So think game show. Okay. Uh, and autumn. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. About, yeah, yeah. That's 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 in the bag already done, and it's coming. On the TV. Right. Well, as I said, I, sh- I shall look forward to that with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be looking forward to, I will be pointing at the screen and going, it's her. She was it's on my show. She was on my absolutely, show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's that. And um, I'm hoping to actually now give up the childcare business just because it's eaten into a lot of my time. And I really feel like I need to give parental coaching 100 percent so that's that's on the cards for me to do I'm going to be doing a few workshops and doing a few seminars and doing some more speaking engagements excellent um about how to build stronger connections with your children 
Um, that is big because that covers a wide range of topics. But at the end of the day, to me, it still comes down to connection. If you don't have that connection, you're not going to get the other things that you want to get out of your parenting. Yes. So so that I've got that on the card. And I didn't mention before, Clayton, I do actually have another business called Flourishing Fulfilled Futures. Okay. I'm partnered with a financial advisor. We have a company together. And what we do is we go and do events together, um, educating the parents about how to be more mindful about money so that's what that that company's for and we do have an event on the 21st of october which is should be on the event bright as we speak right um selling tickets for that so that's what i've got coming up who knows what else is in in the pipeline because as you as you know i'm up for absolutely anything um, hopefully more more speaking engagements, 100% more speaking engagements. I'm actually getting um, booked up for those a lot more. And I think it's just because people are saying, hold on, who's this woman? Parental coaching, what's that all about? Yes, she can speak to our staff uh, and so forth and put on some lunch and learns, some meets and greets or meet and eat um, lunch hours um, in, in a corporate space. This is all fantastic news and I'm really pleased to see the direction that you're going in, but people need to find a way to contact you. So what's the best channels for people to find you? So I'm on Instagram, Get Real Parental Coach. I'm on Facebook, Get Real Parental Coaching. I have a website, www.getrealparentalcoaching.com. Or you can actually go on my Instagram and go on my link tree and my phone number's there. If you want to just call me, that's absolutely fine. I'm, I, I don't hide my number, really. If I need to block certain people, they get blocked. But generally, I'm quite happy for people to call me, get to know a bit more about what I do. And if they want to book a discovery call, that's absolutely fine as well. And about your event in October, a little bit more about that. Yep. So that's Flourishing Fulfilled Futures. That's myself and Becky. She's a financial coach. I'm a parental coach. That's on the 21st of October. So that's going to be during Black History Month. And that's going to be based in Basingstoke. So even if you have to travel to this event, it will be worth your while because we will be dropping some nuggets in terms of how to be more mindful about your money. Certainly for me, talking to the parents, I'll be talking things about shopping online, stop running the water when you're brushing your teeth, get the children involved in saving money because that they are our future. And if we are not setting them up in terms of how they think about money, the value of money, it's not going to end well. And we want to set them up with a really big, a good start. And those are the kind of things we're going to be talking about at the event. And the details to all of these events and um, links to social media will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to listen to those Cashflow Crew listeners. So it's been a fantastic opportunity to have you, Sandra, on the show. It really has been great. And I really 
it's been good to learn more about your business, more about your journey, more about your adventures. And obviously, I wish you every success going forward. So Sandra True of Get Real Parental Coaching, thank you for joining us on the Cash Flow Show. Thank you for having me, Clayton. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Good. I'm really <laughs> pleased to hear that. We've come to the end of the cash flow show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the world really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real talk. <laughs>